Hello and welcome back, Disruptors, to the 80th episode of the Oligarchy Disruptor Podcast with your hosts, Ben and Leon. And of course, we have Ashley down with us as well. Hey, guys. Alrighty. So uh, in this episode today, we have a fantastic episode for you. We have a couple of videos we're going to show you. Well, it's basically the same video, shown uh, different ways. Let's just go ahead and jump right into it. A lot of you guys have already seen this. It came out on the news a couple of days ago, uh, but basically it's that one, um, the uh, police um, union chief uh, here in New York um, that went ahead and had a press conference and he basically started whining and whining and whining about all the shit that the police have to deal with and had to deal with in the last few days or weeks. So let's go ahead and just jump in and uh, we'll comment on it. Uh, I'll, in the next one. Oh wait, this is this model. Here you go. I am not Derek Chabon. They are not him. Really quick, I think it's really funny. I said, oh, he says uh, Chabon. <laughs> the entire time I was like, mm, you know, he's from the East Coast. Literally. <laughs> he killed someone. We did. We are restrained. And you know what? I'm saying this to all the cops here, because you know what? Everybody's trying to shame us. The legislators, the press, everybody's trying to shame us into being embarrassed about our profession. But you know what? This isn't stained by someone in Minneapolis. It's still got a shine on it. And so do theirs. So do theirs. Stop treating us like animals and bugs. And start treating us with some respect. That's what we're here today to say. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah, disgusting. Disgusting is what you and all the police have done over countless decades to communities of color, not to mention specifically black people, uh, Latinos, uh, every minority uh, you helped oppress over the years i'm sure they're feeling the same exact way about you and laughing at every single fucking word you're saying along with the rest of the country yeah well that's i think like <laughs> the thing to really point out here is the anger in his voice is so apparent and yet people want to um say that the black community is responding in an inappropriate way right now um, you know, these are words. These are words that are being said to these police officers. These are ideas that people are spewing. These are social media posts people are saying about police officers. And you're getting this angry about it? Imagine if your parents, your brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, best friends were being mass murdered. I'm sure you would be way more upset than just the sound of your voice. <laughs> um, so I think it's really funny comparing that you know exactly and this is like only for like the short amount of time that this has kind of been going on they're freaking out crying like this is basically a tantrum that's the way that i see it at least mm -hmm. um and for the short amount of time and the little that they've had to endure with this like yeah it wasn't you necessarily but you i'm sure you have seen things and you didn't say anything even if you this is the new york police like, department exactly, yes exactly you know <laughs> I mean, and they have also been guilty of doing their own shit over the years. So like, 
Um, it's not anything unique to any one police department. That's what's really, that's what we have to take away from this, you know, because mm -hmm. like this systemic racism is institutionalized. It's like a systemic issue, like, like it's a just, you know, so like it's everywhere. It's in every <clears throat> department, you know, that's yeah. why uh, we're seeing cases uh, all over the, all, all over the, the country all from uh, in the past like few years or in the last few like decades or whatever like there's always cases in like New York, Chicago, LA like all over the country even in like those rural places like sometimes shit happens there you know there's less people but um, <laughs> yeah. so uh, let's go ahead and jump into the next resource which is um, a, the same video it covers the same video uh, but this is being covered by Fox News and uh, I, I thought it would be very interesting to hear what the Fox News hosts and anchors would have to say about this. Uh, so I thought it would be interesting to, for you to hear uh, the contrasting views between uh, us and the Fox News uh, hosts uh, and their take on this. But notice how selective they are in that video that we showed you. So like there's an even longer clip of that whole like conference or whatever. We showed you like the longer clip that's like uh, a minute or so long they chose like a very selective part of this. Go ahead and watch and make your decision of that. The head of New York City's largest police union railing against what he says is the way the New York Police Department has been treated by the media and lawmakers. Take a look. I am not Derek Chabon. They are not him. He killed someone. We didn't. Start treating us like animals and bugs and start treating us with some respect. We've been vilified, disgusting. Jesse, um, defund the police won't really be an issue if we can't find people that want to work as police anymore. That's true. I mean, these people volunteer, they're not drafted. It's a noble profession. We should be thanking them. Whenever there's an emergency, who do you call? You call the police. When your baby stops breathing, when your friend gets raped. When your baby stops breathing is a medical emergency in which you should call like a medical professional. Um, like that's what, even though he is technically right in like the things that he's bringing up right now and that he will also mention, that's the point. Like, you know, like that's why people in cities are considering defunding the police because defunding the police doesn't mean taking away the police department and completely abolishing it. Mm -hmm. It means redirecting some of the, the funds that would go to them into other programs that would uh, much uh, benefit the community that uh, the, the police were negatively affecting for so many years much mm -hmm. more, you know? Uh, yeah. So that's the whole point of that. And we shouldn't be doing all these things. We shouldn't be sending the cops for like when your baby stops breathing or when you have these other emergencies that you shouldn't be calling the cops for. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was interesting to know. But let's go ahead and see what other uh, bullshit he says. <laughs> when your dad ODs, when your husband has a heart attack, when there's a massive collision on the highway, you call 911. And they're Literally all of those were medical emergencies, actually. <laughs> Every single one besides the rape one was a medical emergency. Emergency, you give the address, and within minutes, squad cars are there. Do you know how much violence these people see? Do you know how much blood? Do you know how much danger? I mean, they wear bulletproof vests because they're being shot at. They're bad guys out there who take advantage. 
There's scam artists, there's con artists, identity thieves, strong arm robberies all over the place. And these police are there to protect you. And we just had a COVID-19 outbreak. You guys, everyone's sitting home, washing your hands, watching Netflix. They're out there patrolling the streets every day with masks on. They're going into people's homes when there's a domestic dispute. When some girl calls the police because her boyfriend is drunk and beating her up, they're there to help her and to help other people. Notice how he doesn't necessarily like talk about the movement or give it any kind of credit or like doesn't acknowledge it really, you know, at all um, in his beginning like kind of spiel there. Uh, he just focuses on like what people call the police for like blah, 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 blah. But like, that's what's fucked up about it, you know? Uh, you have something mm -hmm. to say? Yeah, I think that the craziest thing about um, about everything that he was saying is it just entices fear. And I think that that is something that has really driven this push towards um, incarceration and towards mi the militarization of the police is this fear that criminals are um, rampant you know, are running rampant in the streets and our communities are at, at a serious risk of these threatening individuals when that's, that's really not the case. And when he said about wearing the bulletproof vests, um, first off, I would just like to say that I have family and friends in law enforcement. I myself and my fiance have both considered being in law enforcement. I, we, I support our law enforcement folks and I do believe that there are good cops out there and good people in general in law enforcement. Um, with that said, they are given way too much money. And in turn, it makes them, um, it gives them the tools to become more violent. And when you, we were, he was listing off those situations, so many of those situations, the police do not need to be called in. Um, and by giving them all of this money, not only are we taking this money away from alternative solutions, but we're also incarcerating people who don't need to be incarcerated. Um, and I think that it's, it's important to have police and they clearly do put their lives on the line for us, but they're also called into situations that they, number one, just do not have the education to be able to solve properly and number two they are they're given so much power from this money and to, to to do violent things with i mean we have all these crazy specialized forces amongst our police department um and for what when alternative solutions are better you know there are plenty of other people that you can call for domestic violence disputes for home mental illness for the homeless you know this is not situations where people need to be incarcerated yeah, I think the same kind of like concept of that like goes for like healthcare, you know, like uh, when it comes to healthcare, preventative healthcare is, at large is much cheaper than actual treatment. So same kind of concept happens here. If we treat the symptoms early on, or no, we don't treat them. If we try to um, prevent the symptoms yeah, from happening. We, yeah, exactly. If we try to prevent the symptoms from happening, so where we don't actually get as bad to the point where we need like hardcore treatment or overhaul like we're at now, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, that's what we should kind of be considering, you know, uh, yeah. and connecting the dots with that.
you know, I, th I thought that was very interesting to kind of notice of that as well, because it, it's all kind of related, you know? It is. Well, when you have a crime concentrated in these impoverished areas, which are also concentrated, um, and you, then you wonder, you know, why? There obviously has to be a correlation between poverty and, cr and criminal activity. And I think that the majority, when you look at the statistics of the people who are in prison and in jails right now, um, the majority of them are in there for nonviolent offenses. These are people who are, and I'm not saying that it's, that it's right, but these are people who are selling drugs to, to pay their bills. These are people who are robbing people because they don't know any other way to live. And I'm not making excuses for them because clearly they are doing something that's illegal. But maybe if we would invest in different solutions and, and alternative solutions for them, instead of incarcerating them, why don't we help them? Um, I, I just think that it's crazy, clearly <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. And it's like, police have clearly not been working this. Why don't we try something different? Exactly. Um, and that's what I feel like is super interesting to kind of note. Um, and then you kind of hit on earlier mentioning that, like how they were utilizing fear mongering again. Uh, and this is a very common or typical, uh, strategy or tool that they use to mm -hmm. make their voters or supporters like come in like and support whatever they want them to. Uh, in this case, they're using fear mongering to help their base or supporters um, come along and toe the party line of keeping the police, like staying uh, on the side of the police and like whatever, you know, it's the side of law and order. But like, like Ashley and I said, like we're what we're proposing or what people across the country or cities across the country are not are proposing is not crazy or radical it's even been done before like for example Camden, new jersey seven years ago mm -hmm. they did the exact same thing they dissolved their entire police department um and no one said shit then you know no one threatened uh, the law and order like the or use was using fear-mongering to the extent that they are now with this you know uh, yeah. and they're they're saying like the looting like what if they're gonna go into your houses like bro like oh my gosh like like really like they're no one's gonna go into your broke ass house bro um i don't know like i i just think that's crazy to kind of push and a lot of the things that they talk about uh, are just like straight up falsehood so like that's why i don't really show um fox news so much is because it's like easy it's easy to watch the videos and just like tear them apart because they're just fucking straight up lying to you um and the sad part is, is this is the most watched network year after year i think for like close to like a decade <laughs> well and don't get us wrong either it's not that we're against conservative news outlets that's not the case cnn is just as bad at you know prop you know spewing this propaganda for democrats so <laughs> exactly. exactly um do you want to continue watching the video or do you want to just like split off and just like say F it and just... um yeah whatever i mean did you want to talk about these statistics or no oh yeah yeah dude i thought it was a fucking great time for you to uh show me your statistics that you were mentioning to me earlier so what were they okay yeah so um this is really crazy. I've always been super interested in, in the mass incarceration um, in this country. And um, so I was looking on all these different websites. Oh, I meant to talk about the sources that I had. I know one of them was the Bureau of Prisons. There was a few policy websites as well. Um, I can share them though on the Facebook page so people know that these are legitimate statistics. But 
Um, I think that it was really interesting to note that out of one point almost three, one point two nine million people that are in our state prisons, um, only seven hundred and thirteen of those are for violent offenses. Um, so I think that that right there just shows the amount of cases where police do not probably need to be called. You know, um, this is not a violent situation. This isn't a situation where people are at imminent in imminent danger. Um, so I thought that that was interesting. Also, um, there's 44,000 youth incarcerated right now in juvenile detention centers and 6,700 of those crimes are for technical violations. So these are people who, um, you know, messed up on probation, um, truancy, things like that, technical violations. Out of 44,000, 6,700 of those, why are we incarcerating our youth? Why? It, the, the rates of recidivism in this country are so high that why would you want to start somebody so young? You know, um, we should be look. We should, there, there should be so many other, so many other alternatives for for our youth. I mean, it's that's that's startling to me that we're putting that many people in jail for technical violations. And I mean, not to mention just like our whole criminal criminal justice system is just absolutely fucked. But the result of that system and our laws and the way everything has been like done over the years has led the United States to be the number one um, country in uh, prisoners. Yeah, we have 2.3 million people incarcerated in this country. 2.3 million. And I believe that equates to about 25% of the world's um, po uh, prison population. So even Isn't though the United States only has 1% of the world's population, um, or maybe it'll probably less than that, um, we have 25% of the world's prisoners. So that is a crazy statistic. Yeah, and I, something that I think is com so startling, and um, I am 100% for abolishing bail, especially cash bail. Um, we have 746,000 people in jail, and 63% of those people have not been convicted of crimes. Over 60% of our jail population are people who literally can just not afford to leave the cell. That is why they're there, because they do not have the money to leave. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. If that doesn't scream privilege, I don't know what does. If that doesn't scream civil rights issue, I don't know what does especially when you hear about the conditions of some of these jails and prisons, and then you think that there are people in there who have, who have, who are not convicted of felon, who are not felons, because I think that that's, and I don't agree with it, but that is something that um, has kind of been ingrained, I think, in a lot of people's heads here is that, you know, well, they're criminals. So, you know, they, they, they deserve to rot in there. Well, what about the other 63% of people who are rotting in there who possibly are going to get a not guilty? Exactly. Um, so that's crazy to me. 100%. Um, and I think that this is like uh, just a big learning lesson for the, the, the majority of the American people that don't really pay attention to the and really important stuff that's going on in the background. Uh, a lot of people are getting civics lessons right now in how <laughs> government works and the criminal justice system. Uh, and they're waking up to how 
bad it is. I mean, most people had like a general conception that like black people just are incarcerated at, at high, higher levels than everybody else. Uh, people of color in general, Latinos, uh, you name it, were also in there. Uh, so um, I just think that people are waking up and realizing to the terrible system that is currently in place. And I think it's amazing that people are just not letting up until um, real reform is in place. And I think that what we're starting to see now from the cities and governments is that they're actually listening to us. You know, like Minneapolis actually did like dissolve it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, LA slashed their funding uh, 150 million for their police department. Uh, so like that's just gonna keep going and going. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Uh, as long as the people are out there making the voice heard, which is uh, what we should have been doing from day one. Okay, perfect. Well, I think you did an amazing job covering that with your statistics and stuff. Great due diligence from earlier. Uh, and <laughs> I want to end this episode here. So once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it was a pleasure talking about all this stuff with you and educating uh, uh, when it comes to like the criminal justice system. This is something I know that Ashley is very uh, passionate about. <laughs> and uh, Of course, she was aspiring to be a lawyer and all that stuff. So um, definitely listen to her when it comes to this stuff. I know I do. Um, but yeah, so guys, if you haven't, um, Follow us on our social media, please definitely do so. We have our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have a website where we write articles. Um, Ashley and I write our own articles, so tackling our own topics and stuff. So I hope you guys will really like that. I'm sure you will. Uh, anything else I'm missing, Ash? Oh yeah, reviews, right? Yes, yes, five-star reviews. Yeah, there we go. Apple Podcast, guys, for all you guys that are listening at home as well. So thanks again, and we will see you on the next episode. Bye guys. See you guys.